0: Hello and welcome to the Rambling Runner podcast. I'm your host, Matt Chittam, and this is the podcast for all the dedicated amateur runners out there who are working hard to get better while balancing running with the rest of their lives. Speaking of balancing running with the rest of their lives. Here I am recording this intro in the parking lot of my daughter's gymnastics studio. It's 7.22 p.m. This baby's ending at 7.30. Just got to fit in life wherever you can, man. What can I say? Um, You know, the, the life of a professional podcaster. It sounds awesome. And boy, is it. But, you know, you just got to balance it out with everything else. It's kind of funny how things work sometimes. I'm so excited for today's episode. So Dwayne Scotty's is here. He is an awesome physical therapist who has helped me immensely over the past month. Um, we don't talk too much about that specifically. We just dive into all things running physical therapy. And this is awesome because he is someone who focuses on runners. So a lot of physical therapists... I have kind of a broad range of people that they work with, and that's fine. Dwayne focuses on runners specifically, which is great for people like me who go in, hey, this is what I want to do. This is what's bothering me. And he comes at it with this approach of like, okay, you running is important, and that's what we want to do. It's not like when you go to your your primary, who's not really an athlete, and they're like, oh, yeah, your foot hurts because, well – You're a runner. What do you expect? Right. Like, that's not we don't want to hear that. We just don't want to hear that. And uh, I was really excited to get Dwayne on the show, talk about all things in this area. He's an awesome guy. He also has a podcast himself that does very, very well. Go check that out. It's the Healthy Runner podcast. So let's get into it with Dwayne Scotty. Dwayne Scotty, welcome to the show. How you doing, Matt? Thanks for having me. I'm super excited about this. It's my pleasure. I'm so excited to chat with you. It's funny because we're on, we have like a little video conferencing thing. Most people will not be seeing this video, but I can see what's behind you. And I recognize all of that because I was <laughs> in your office just a couple of weeks ago. I know exactly where you're sitting because uh, I was sitting there not so long ago. So so it's so great to have you um, on the podcast. In fact, we actually had agreed to like, have you on the show before I came in to see you as a physical therapist with me as a patient. So I do feel like I'm I'm really getting the the better end of the deal here, 100%. Well,
1: I've been listening to your show for years now, and I'm just honored, honestly, that you even invited me on your show because whenever I get the opportunity to ramble about running or health, um, I love it. So I am super stoked to be here and it is so good to see you again.
0: Well, rambling is what we do, 100 percent. So let me ask you this question. So physical therapists have now become just part and parcel with being an, an active runner, a dedicated runner. Um, and obviously, there can be different reasons why someone would need a physical therapist in certain different seasons of their life and different injuries that can pop up and things like that. How did running even occur before physical therapists? came into this world like did what is this like a chicken and egg question because i feel like you guys are so ingrained with i say guys it's universal men and women um are so ingrained with this sport like did it even like which came
1: first the physical therapists or the runners that's a great question. Um, I think really, you know, what physical therapists do, we're movement specialists. So we are trained to evaluate movement and how, you know, the beginnings of movement really at the basic level is walking, right? So there is a huge amount of time spent in any physical therapy curriculum um, in evaluating someone's gait and their movement and how we walk. And, You know, running is definitely one of those subspecialty areas, so you don't really get that in your your standard kind of DPT graduate education, you get a little bit. But it is something that, as physical therapists, you know, go into their career, you can specialize in running and take more running-specific courses, and it it is just a natural fit. And there are so many PTs who are runners because we just like embody health and wellness, like that's our belief system, right? And so there are a lot of PTs who do run. So it's almost like, and that's how I got into it. It was more selfish reasons because I was like, I'm starting to run. I was an adult onset runner. Um, I had hip surgery.
0: Adult, onset, adult <laughs> onset runner. Is this a disease? Is this what we're talking
1: about? <laughs> yeah. Adult onset runner. I always just ran in the gym for cardio, you know, during my workouts from the college days and then in my early, you know, in my 20s and had hip surgery. And surgeon was like, treadmill, just not good for where I had my hip problem. So he's like, go outside. And I'm like, I've never run outside unless it was sports, right? It was like basketball as a kid, right? You were running outside playing baseball. And then I, you know, started and obviously kind of never looked back and fell in love with the sport. Yeah. So you bring up a great point there in
0: terms of, you know, you had an injury and then you are talking to a physical therapist who's you know, helping you with it. And obviously, you know, physical therapists need physical therapists and, and all of that. But um that's, I think, most people's introduction into physical therapy or working with someone like you is that there is an injury of some sort, right? I can remember... You know, so like I broke my ankle when I was in high school, right? So I, I'm in the cast and I come out and working with with the physical therapist. We're doing the balancing exercises, the strengthening work, working on like my foot strength and all of the things that are connected with that, right? I think that is oftentimes people's introduction into this world. Whereas, okay, an event happens, I need to come back from that event. Let's move forward and working with a specialist. And then there's this other group, not to say it's only two things, but then there's other section of it where we're talking about preventative work or activation or this whole category of things where okay someone needs to help me prepare to move in an athletic way and i think that's the that's the area where i know i and i think i can speak for a lot of people here and maybe even this was the case for you as well i'd love to hear is that that's the part that's hard for people to wrap their minds around it's like wait hold on i've been Active my whole life, right? Like I've been active as a kid. I've been, I've always moved around. Like, why do I need help to move around? Like my dog doesn't need glute activation exercises before he goes outside (laughs) and runs. Chris McDougall said, we're born to run. Why, why do I need a band in the back of my car next to the trail so that I can get ready to do my 45 minute jog? Like this is, this seems like we're for someone who's stepping into this world, a, an area that is maybe it's easier for people to be a little bit more reticent about.
1: Yeah, and it's it's something that just doesn't come natural to everyone, right? That and I think there's something about our lifestyle and how that has changed dramatically how most of us spend the majority of our days at computers now and as we age our tissues are not as resilient as they once were when we were younger. So it is very common in, you know, our age group, um, you know, getting into the upper thirties, forties and 50 year old um, runners who want to still get after it. They have big goals. You know, there, I just talked to a runner just a little while ago, turning 50, you know, and I know you had your big goal turning 40, you know, we want to stay active and we want to stay healthy. Right. And running is an awesome activity and sport that can help do that. But if we don't address some of these things, we'll call them right now, um, as we age, then those could create problems. And that's when we start to get plantar fasciitis and runner's knee and IT band syndrome.
0: Yeah, that's a great point. So say somebody is currently healthy right now. But they do want to be a lifelong runner and they are excited about like trying to stay healthy to to build that consistency that is really at the bedrock of all of all success no matter whatever venture you're in whether it's athletic or business or name, name the area and they're like all right well I'm healthy right now, but I do want to be consistent. What should I know like what are, what are some basic elementary things for someone who wants to be proactive but doesn't quite know what that
1: means well, the biggest thing you really need to do is to reframe your thought process on running is not your exercise or your training to stay healthy. You need to actually train in order to run in a healthy way. And what I mean by that is we really need to strengthen your running specific muscles. So there are muscles that work differently, as I mentioned before, when we run versus when we walk. And then work those muscles in a way that are used when you run. So with your foot on the ground, so doing those standard, everyone has seen them, kicking up and bending down your hamstring, your quad machines in the gym where you're sitting. Um, That's not how your hamstrings and quads work when you're running or the whole inner and outer thigh machines that everyone loves in the gym, same thing there. Your adductors and your side hip muscles, your abductors don't function like that when you're running. Your hip is not in 90 degrees in that plane and your foot's on the ground as opposed to being in the air. So working your muscles in the same fashion that they're used for when they run is gonna help you during your runs. So they're actually able to be trained in that fashion. And then also, you know, jump training in order to run. So plyometric training, we call it, is just getting that spring and elasticity in not only your muscles, but your tendons. And that's what us middle-aged runners run into problems with, is our tendons are not as resilient as I mentioned before. So you need to kind of build up the load and the capacity in those tendons to tolerate a super hard hill workout or to tolerate some, you know, repeat 400s on the track. Um, Or if you're going for your half half marathon or marathon PR during your training cycle, those tendons need to be strong enough so you can stay healthy as you are still kind of getting after it.
0: All right. So beyond injury prevention, is there also a case to be made where, hey, even if you weren't destined to be hurt, right? So you could look back and be like, hey, if you had never done any of the exercises that Dwayne has sent you, you still would have been healthy. In that situation is there a case to be made that doing this sort of work would just make you a faster better runner?
1: Absolutely. And there is, you know, research out there, there's data to show that if we can get you stronger as a runner. And that's the big thing that I, I still, you know, it's a big misconception in the running um, world. And I'm, I'm still trying to spread that message in my communities is, you know, it's not about you not being flexible enough. And a lot of runners think like, oh, I'm just tight. My hamstrings are tight. Let me stretch them. And it's a matter of you being strong and making sure your muscles are strong enough. When your muscles are stronger, you're going to have to, you know, you're going to be able to run faster, right? It's just, there's a direct correlation there. And I was listening to your episode actually with uh, one of our Connecticut locals. I believe her name was Sarah um, during my run this morning. And yeah, Sarah Williardi. Yeah, it was a great, great episode. I loved it. Um, Sarah, if you ever listen to this, you, we definitely got to connect because you are right near me. I live right in Cheshire, Connecticut. Um, but she was mentioning the fact of how she like PR'd after her injury, right? That 5K, because her, of her kind of cross training, she mentioned that she got stronger. She really focused on getting stronger, not running more because she wasn't running during that time period. And she wound up actually getting faster. And that's what I see in a lot of the runners that I work with is if we can strengthen those muscles and tap into them during those runs, then not only are you going to stay healthy from an injury prevention standpoint, but you're going to actually get faster as a runner. And like, who does not want to get faster as a runner, right? Let's be honest all right so let's talk about strength because
0: oftentimes when we think about strength we think about something that we can that we can see right like okay and the obvious comparison here is to be like okay look at my little kid puts up their biceps right like hey dad how strong am i right so obviously we're not talking about that specifically but when we talk about being stronger as a runner what exactly does that mean and when compared to different other ways of getting stronger for
1: various other sports Yeah, great question. I really do think that there is no, I guess, one size fits all model. And I do think that it is a progression. And you you need to think about your training in what we call periodization, right? Different cycles, just like if you – Start a marathon training cycle, which a lot of people are going to be starting in these next We're couple of weeks. Out that season, man, every <laughs> right? marathon, every marathon that's ever been is going, to come, is going to be going on in the fall. Exactly. So everyone's getting ready for that. What we should have been doing as runners is during this "quote unquote" off season. That's when you wanted to hit the weights, like and actually lift heavy and do some serious plyometric training to really get those muscles, those tendons stronger. And you can still do that if you're starting a marathon training cycle, but as you go through you know, the first four weeks and then the next eight weeks, you wanna start to now balance that off because you're gonna be running more miles, right? And before you start to peak in your training, you definitely wanna back down from how heavy you're lifting and how frequent you're lifting. So there needs to be this balance because you don't wanna overload all the tissues at once because then that's how injuries occur. So one thing that I think is... Is important for runners to keep in mind is you do need to activate certain muscles and you know this is somewhat I guess depending upon who you listen to will be somewhat controversial like oh it's not my glute that's not turned on like your muscle's there it's but like. It is so many runners, you'll be surprised that I see that cannot actually feel these muscles contracting, which means they're really not using them to the the best of their capabilities during their runs. And that really directly impacts sometimes their running form. And it's a matter of overloading tissues. It's what we call microtrauma. It's every single step that we take, if your pelvis is dropping, you know, an extra six degrees in, you know, a downward direction, then that's going to put extra stress on your IT band, right? So now that's why your IT band doesn't hurt when you run three or four miles. It's only when you get up to 14, 15, 16 in your training plan. And now you're like, oh, this IT band's acting up again. Let me just like ice it and use my compression strap. It's,
0: It's like, it's like, I don't, I'm not getting hot if the degree, if the temperature only goes up 10 degrees, but I get hot if it goes up 25 degrees.
1: Exactly. Yes. So if you can do specific strengthening exercises that is able to activate these muscles so you learn how to use them, and then the secret sauce is the progression and making those exercises harder and then starting to load up with some, you know, strength training and adding load to those muscles, whether it is squats and, you know, working with kettlebells. And so there's this whole progression. And a lot of times I feel like we either do all or none. We either don't do strength training if we're a runner or you're like, all right, I know I need to do strength training. Let me go in and I'm going to do like a hard CrossFit workout and I'm going to do like deadlift squats. And you do a lot of exercises also that are on two legs and runners need to strengthen their muscles for when they're on one leg. So it's a matter of kind of activating progressing in a standing position and then starting to load up i love this (laughs) you
0: talk about turning on muscles and activations like dwayne i'm not a robot right like the the muscles didn't go anywhere they're still right here i've been using you know i'm I'm moving around a little bit like what do you mean my what do you mean by activating something or turning it on right i'm a human being what how is it turned off in the first place
1: like what's going on here It's what we really call motor control. It's essentially the signals from your brain that go to our muscles and basically tell them to turn on, right? And a lot of this is automatic, right? We don't have to think about it. Like most of us walk and we don't think about what muscles we're using when we walk, right? But either with compensation, with injury, especially pain. So when someone has pain, we do know that some of these signals essentially get crossed because the brain is saying, I have pain in my knee and now I'm going to start to favor because I'm going to walk a little different or I'm going to run a little differently because I'm trying to avoid pain. And then because you're running differently, now muscles aren't turning on that should be firing. So you develop these muscle imbalances. So that's what we do as physical therapists is really identify the problem areas and identify what muscles, let's say, aren't being used that should be used and then develop a plan to address those and help improve them over time.
0: Today's show is brought to you by Previnex, my favorite supplement brand. I use so many, so much of their stuff. I'll say so many of their supplements, but I use more than that because I love their protein powder, their Neurofy Plus. Um, I use it every single day. It literally is my afternoon, my mid on my afternoon, my kind of like mid-morning snack after my run. I'm not talking about that today though. I'm talking about joint health plus I love this supplement, and I just got some test results back on my knee, which was some very, very good stuff. All right, so I have bursitis in my left knee. I got an MRI. They took a look at uh, just the structure of my knee, how everything was looking in there, and to my utter delight, they said that everything looks great in that knee. Now, that is excellent news. I'm 40 years old. I've been running since I was 10. Okay, in addition to that, I have a lifetime of basketball as well. I just, you know, I played in middle school, in high school, in college, a ton outside on the pavement, and my knee structurally looks really, really good. Again, there's probably a lot of factors for that, but one of those factors is Joint Health Plus. I've been using it every single day for a year, for a year. And I'm so glad that I have. So go check out Joint Health Plus today at PrevineX.com. That's P-R-E-V-I-N-E-X.com. And use code RUNNER15 for 15% on your first order of anything and all things that they sell. Hey, everybody. Do you want to save money on your grocery bill? Well, every plate is 25% cheaper than grocery shopping. Try America's Best Value Meal Kit for planning dinners today. I love every plate for a couple of different reasons. First of all, I just love having things in my kitchen especially in my refrigerator that isn't the same old thing that I do every single week. Also getting things that aren't too adventurous that my kids are definitely going to eat. Obviously, you're never going to beat that a thousand with that. But with every plate, my kids have really enjoyed it. And I like the food as well. And it's just not the same stuff every single week, which can get tiring. So you can choose between 17 recipes that change each week, swap proteins and sides for things that you like. So you can switch up your dinner routine however you want. And that's the key thing. It's however you want. There's so many options and it's all great stuff, which is also huge. For me, the difference between this and some of the other uh, services in this genre are, first of all, the price. It's absolutely fantastic. We'll get to it in a second. The kinds of meals that are provided, that they're really good, but not too adventurous, have also been a huge thing for me. And now I've been using these more often now that groceries have kind of gone up and the price for every plate has pretty much stayed the same. So try every plate today is $1.79 per meal by going to everyplate.com and entering code RamblingRunner179. That stands for $1.79 per meal. So get started with every plate, like I said, for $1.79 per meal by going to every plate entering code RamblingRunner179 today. That's up to $104 value. Our next partner has a product that I use literally every day. I started taking athletic greens because I heard other podcasters who were really into performance and athletics, people like Rich Roll and Tim Ferriss who used it all the time. And I thought, hey, man, if they're going to use it, then I should, too. And I'm so glad that I did. So what's in this stuff? Well, with one delicious scoop of Athletic Greens, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics, adaptogens, all to help you start your day the right way. The special blend of ingredients support your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, your energy, your focus, your recovery. Literally all the things. I mean, there's too many things for me to list. I actually have to, like, take a pause during the sentence. Uh, But it's it's legit, and I'm so glad that I use it. I use it basically because I know that – Getting my vitamins and minerals from, from foods is probably the best way to do it. But I usually just don't have the kind of diet and make the kind of food choices that's going to put myself in the optimum position. And that's why I take Athletic Greens to make sure that I have everything I need because I know I'm probably not getting it from foods because I just don't quite have the the discipline or the food choices that I need. And Athletic Greens is there to help me out. And I'm so glad that they are. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. To make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one year supply of immune supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com forward slash Again, that is athleticgreens.com forward slash rambling runner to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutrition insurance. All right, so when we're talking about muscle imbalances, it does seem like that's kind of like root cause thinking. Like, all right, what is the what is the underlying thing here? If we can change this and move it forward, then we can really we can really get it going. Um When someone is thinking about going into this kind of model, I think that uh, some of the things that can cause people to hesitate d- during to, to kind of go forward with that is that oftentimes they're like, okay, like does that mean I have to stop running now? It's like, now I have to stop? Or does that mean like I'm going to spend all this time doing these exercises and I'm not actually going to be running? Like they feel like there's this trade-off of like, okay, so what you're telling me is I'm going to be doing all this stuff and I'm not going to be doing the thing that I want to do. I just want to run. I just want to go outside. This isn't just physical for me. It's a mental and emotional release. And now all of a sudden I'm doing all this other stuff that I don't feel like is correlated to the thing that I love most.
1: Well, that is why... I would highly recommend um, you seek out a medical provider, whether it's a physical therapist or whoever medical provider that either you know works with a lot of runners um, and understands running and has gone to some specialized training in running and the mechanics of running and you know the common injuries, or who is a PT or someone who actually is a runner themselves because runners should be treated differently. It is not... Okay. In my mind, it should not be the standard of care that when a runner comes in, who's injured that, you know, a medical provider tells them, well, of course you did. Cause you ran 14 miles. Like, no wonder your IT band hurts. <laughs> How Just many, stop raise your running. hand if you've heard that, right? <laughs> Like, yeah, my, hey doc, my feet
0: hurts. Are you a runner? Yeah, well, there you go. There's a problem.
1: (laughs) Exactly. So that's really, you know, was my whole mission and goal when I started, you know, my business and when I started our healthy runner community was to educate the public as a medical provider and someone who's worked in hospital-based settings, private practice settings as a PT in the sports medicine realm and has seen a lot of this and has, you know, seen, Runners get frustrated that they've just been told to stop running. And if they stop running, then their injury will heal. I don't believe in that way at all. And I've shown really over the years now, working exclusively with runners, that it is extremely rare that I ever evaluate a runner and tell them, you know what, I need you to just shut it down for honestly the longest is, you know, a week, if so. And that's making sure it's not a stress fracture. So I will say that if there is a stress fracture- Structural
0: damage type thing.
1: Correct. If it's a stress fracture or there is a really bad, you know, nerve root compression where you're getting nerve pain, then you might need to shut it down for a time period. But all of the common Achilles tendonopathy, IT band, runner's knee, right? Plantar fasciitis, all of those common running injuries, right, that people get are easily treatable with- getting on the right plan and modifying your running initially. So it's not a matter of shutting things down because when we shut things down, we actually lose our running fitness, muscles get weaker. And even the research now is starting to show that for these common conditions I just mentioned is more of an active approach. And if we can actually add stress and loads to those tissues, then they actually heal and if we just sit on the couch and do nothing and, you know, we're drinking our beers because it's summertime at the barbecue and, you know, we're not adding that stress and load, the Achilles tendon is never going to heal. You're going to feel better because you're not running and you're not using it. And then your medical provider is going to say, okay, you took four weeks of rest or you took six weeks of rest. Now you're cleared to go ahead and run. Good luck. Go run. No, like we need to modify it initially and then gradually, progressively build up like you're running coach, you know, just like you would do with a novice runner. You're progressively building them up. So if you have an injury, it's a matter of progression with the running as well as the rehab exercises or the strength exercises that are going to actually treat the tissue that is painful.
0: I love that. All right, so let's talk more about Before I start, before I keep doing these double advocate questions, which are like, I know softball's for you, but I know a lot of people are thinking them, so I'm just trying to throw them out there. Um, Let's really dive into finding a PT that is the one that, like you described, right? You live, you live fairly close to where I live, so this worked out well for me. But there's a lot of, not maybe a lot of Dwayne Scotties out there, but a lot of people similar to you in terms of the background, and they're focused on runners, and that's their passion, that's what they want to do. If I'm a runner, and I want to work with a PT like that, what are some ways that I can find someone like that? Or what are some of the questions I should ask when I do talk to a PT that will help, you know, bring this to light in, in those conversations?
1: Yeah, so I, I really think you're asking about like how do I find a good running PT near me? Essentially, right? Um, you know, honestly, one of the most powerful tools is old uh, Google, and I would literally Google running physical therapist, running PT near me, um, because most therapists who are dedicated to runners will have that language on their websites, you know, in their bios, and you know, because that's what they're passionate about, and that's who they want to work with right? So, like myself, it's who exclusively I work with now. So, you will be able to find that easily. Um, For those that want um, a little bit more information or want to maybe find someone that might be affiliated with like a hospital-based practice, um, a larger kind of organization, then you could go to our our association's website is choosept.com forward slash running. They actually have a little search feature. You know, granted, you're only going to get the therapist who are APTA members and not all PTs are APTA members. So it's definitely leaving out a big subsection, but I would go there if you really, um, that type of person that, you know, maybe only has access to larger organizations and, um, more of the hospital-based settings. And you could find, you know, a, a PT who works in one of those organizations, like I did at a hospital um, who is a runner themselves. So, and then I would just poke around their bios, you know, go on their website, poke around their bios. It should say something in their bio about either they love running, you know, in their spare time, or, you know, they've gone to some specialized coursework in working with runners. So I think that's important because, yeah, the standard you know, orthopedic PT or sports medicine PT who doesn't work with a lot of runners or honestly sometimes does get scared about they're gonna hurt them or they do have a mindset of more shut it down, I can get rid of your pain because we we do an amazing job at that as physical therapists. Like we can get rid of pain, right? We have different manual therapy techniques, we have different exercises and we'll get rid of your pain. The key is bridging that gap from when you have no pain to now going back to where do you want to be? And unfortunately, like insurance companies, they don't pay for that. They don't pay for you to go to PT just to get back to running. They pay for PT when you're in pain and so you can walk, go up and down stairs, right? Get out of a chair. So that's where there is this kind of black hole in closing the loop, honestly, in our healthcare system is because a lot of runners get injured, they get treatment, no matter what provider it is, they feel better, And then they're discharged. And then they go back to running just to get injured again because there wasn't this kind of progressive, um, you know, going back into running.
0: Right, no, that's a great point. And then one of the things that has become an in vogue thing and something that I think can be confusing in just terms of like what what it means and who to go to and how to approach this sort of thing is, is gait analysis. So gait analysis basically being like someone watches you run from a couple different angles and is able to figure out, okay, here are some of the the strengths of what you're doing. Here are some of the challenges or weaknesses in your stride. Uh, And then hopefully at that point, give you some sort of plan forward in terms of things that you can do. It seems like game analysis, like I have seen differing opinions on this. So I would just love to hear your, your thoughts on just, I guess we'll talk about the process generally speaking, then we'll dive into who who should maybe consider looking at this?
1: Yeah, and I know it is something within the running industry that I think it is somewhat of a marketing tactic as well, right? So you're gonna see every now running shoe store kind of promote, they do a gate analysis, right? So it, it really comes down to who is the person analyzing your gate, right? And what is their background? So as I mentioned before, Physical therapist, that's what we do. We evaluate movement. You know, we take multiple courses and actually breaking down angles in the body and what muscles are functioning and and we are kind of the the quote unquote masters of evaluating movement, right? So it, it really I think it is a good thing that someone in a running shoe store who is literally a salesperson of running shoes looks at that. I think it's better than not looking at it and just looking at someone's feet on the ground and saying, your feet are flat, you get this stability shoe, you have high arches, you get this neutral shoe. It does provide some information, but it it really matters, honestly, on what is the experience level of that individual and what is their training to actually analyze movement. So... And then we can kind of get into the whole topic if you want to about like, what do you do about that information, right? (laughs) And right,
0: right. To treat or not to treat. (laughs) Right. That's the thing is that because you had the situation where like you would never, no reasonable person would expect wide swaths of people to have the exact same running form, right? We're all built differently. The lengths of our levers, every part of our body is different. And all you have to go, all you have to do is hop onto YouTube and watch like the front pack of runners at any major race. You're going to see a variety of different running forms. And these are the best people in the world. And it's not like, oh, hey, that guy kind of heel striking over there in third place. Maybe if he didn't heel strike, he'd win. It's like, slow down. <laughs> I think he's probably maximizing or she's maximizing her potential here. <laughs> like we, can, we don't have to get into that. Um, so where, I guess, I'm, just, again, I'm approaching this conversation from the eyes of, okay, if someone is a skeptic or hesitant or weary or just unsure Right, what let's kind of allay some of those fears, and, and we'll talk about this. So, say someone's looking at this, like, all right, gate analysis. But yeah, everyone has a different running stride; we're all different. What 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 is this going to mean for me? Like, I'm not going to go run like Matt chittam I don't I don't have Matt Chitam's body.
1: Right, and that's really what the literature shows us as well with running injuries is that depending upon if you're a heel striker or a forefoot striker, midfoot striker it there isn't a direct correlation with injuries. We know that you know runners still get injured no matter what where they strike. so we do know there is variety and quote unquote normal is somewhere on a spectrum. The key is really identifying if you are a runner who has been struggling with reoccurring injuries and you know that knee always creeps up on you that hip creeps up on you, your Achilles. And you want to perhaps get down to what is the root cause? I use running gait analysis. Like all of my clients send me their running videos. I tell them how to exactly you know do them. We analyze them together. I show them you know what I'm seeing, and then it's a matter of synthesizing that information with. The rest of what we call our clinical exam. So it's what you tell me, right? When I'm taking a history and I'm coming up with, you know, what is the actual problem? What's your diagnosis? And then correlating that to what we see on like a physical exam or a movement assessment. Does it make sense? Like I'm seeing this significant hip drop when you're running, but then when I strength test your abductor muscles, you know, do those things correlate? And I see weakness in the side hip muscles and I'm saying, wow, there's a significant hip drop with your running. I think if we can really strengthen this side hip muscle, we can reduce this hip drop and that's going to decrease tension on your IT band, or this is going to help, you know, help with the tracking of your kneecap for runner's knee, let's say, or actually help you know, this overpronation I'm seeing down below and that's why you keep getting shin splints. So it's a matter of really knowing if the findings are relevant to the person's problem. So for example, like the hip drop example I just gave is more what we call like the frontal plane of movement. So looking at someone from the back or the front when they're running. But if you really had an Achilles problem, it's really hard for me to say, and even a hamstring tendon pain, for me to be like, your hip drop is causing your hamstring, because it doesn't make sense. Like those muscles don't work in that fashion. And so I'd be looking from the side view if I thought it was a hamstring or an Achilles problem, because those are the things on the back of your leg. So it really needs to correlate with What is the person complaining of? What is their problem? Um, Again, if it's it's someone who's healthy and they just want to become more efficient, perhaps, you know, cadence is one variable that you can pretty much, you know, say that if you're healthy and you're looking to change something, you like want to just maximize your performance and get a little more efficient, then yes, if you improve your cadence and your turnover time, then you should be more efficient as a runner. So it really kind of depends on what we do with that information information. And I am definitely more with the mindset of less is more. I don't try to change a lot of variables in any runner. I usually pick one. So if I identify a bunch of things when they're running, because then you get runners who go out there and it's like, wait, so Dwayne said I need to like keep my hips level, but then I need to, um, you know, step lighter like on hot coals and I need to strike on the front of my, so you think so much and you start running wacky, right? The scourge
0: scourge of every golfer nationwide, (laughs) right? Overthinking the overthinking mid swing and then shanking it.
1: So I usually pick one if, if it's going to be one specific variable that needs to be changed based upon that person's problem. So it's not something of you get a gait analysis, and even if you go to one of the fancy labs, you get this printout, and you're like, okay, now I got this printout. I found out what's wrong with me. Let me fix all of these things, and I will be a better runner or I will not get injured. You need to do, honestly, the hard work, which is – the training in order to run going back to where we started with this conversation um, in order to actually prevent injuries, because we know there's not a direct correlation with your running form or your gait pattern with running and injuries.
0: So it's not a matter of like, okay, my knees need to come forward a little more. So when I'm running, I'll just be thinking knees forward, right. And trying to like, you know, will my way, through the through the 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 physical pattern that i'm trying to mimic or accentuate or whatever it's more of it sounds like what you're talking about is more of like okay the gate analysis happens and we identified some things we can work on and now we're going to do exercises that address those so that when you do run xyz happens is
1: that fair to say Yes, absolutely. It should happen naturally, essentially, is because once, like I mentioned before, you activate, you turn on those muscles, they become secondary nature where you're able to go, you know, I'm sure a lot of people, the other good example is like your glutes, right? Is going up and down stairs, especially for someone with knee pain. They have like this front of the kneecap pain that's kind of underneath their kneecap, runner's knee. And normally you just go up and down stairs. You don't even think about it. And and the reason I know this stuff is because I've had many of these injuries when I first started running myself. And you would just go up and down stairs and you're like, oh, my knee's achy. But if you just literally transfer your weight, Weight to your heel, and actually, when you go up, like squeeze your glute, your butt muscle, it takes stress off your knee. And just like being intentional with certain movements, but then they become automatic. So then you're not like every time you go up and downstairs, stairs, you're like, got to use my glutes. Um, it, it becomes hardwired essentially in the signals from our brains to our muscles that we're using these. And that's what we want it to do with our running is we don't want to have to think about all those things while we're running. It's going to be hardwired where now you're able to send those signals because you've activated them, you've strengthened them, and now it becomes more of an automatic process. All right. So
0: say someone's listening to this, maybe we put out the video, right? Someone's looking at you or they see you on Instagram. I'm like, yeah, but Dwayne, you're younger than me, man. I'm, I got you by 10 or 15 years. I'm just older now. And, you know, things are just achy, but that's just life, right? This is life as I get older. And, you know, like, what do you expect out of me? This is just what the body I have at this point. You know, when you mentioned before that you see some, some patients who are older than you are, who've been very experienced, we'll say, in, the, in, in their running. Um, what are some i guess common misconceptions that you'd like to address with them first off, just in regards to not only returning to health but what they're able to do in general?
1: I think it's really a matter as we age, and it is simply biology of aging unfortunately uh, I don't know if you're starting to see, but I'm starting to see some differences at, after I turn forty and um we we need to essentially do the things that we could have gotten away with in our 20s, right, and early 30s, um, because our tissues were in a better place back then and our bodies were. But we need to dedicate time to some more of these, you know, principles of pretty much strengthening. And, you know, even another one of my kind of core foundational principles and kind of my spark blueprint, I call it, is soft tissue care, and taking care of your soft tissue. And that really includes the recovery aspect and whether it's foam rolling, some stretching and doing active warm ups before your runs. And how many runners I work with that never did that. They just headed out the door, go for your run because that's what you always did, right? You did in your 20s, you had no problem. You still got PRs and you were fine. But unfortunately, as we age, we do need to warm the body up. Like, I don't know about you, but like my back feels stiff. My hips feel stiff. Uh, I go early in the morning for my runs and at five six o'clock hour, and I need to do these mobility drills essentially, exercises, active warm up. Before my body feels like okay i 'm ready to run now, so it 's just a matter of you know allocating your time to some more of these strategies, and it doesn't need to be super long it doesn't because sometimes people get overwhelmed by that you 're like well, i don 't have the time for this. you know literally five minutes you can do a nice dynamic warm up which would include some mobility drills that will really get your body primed um, to run you 've turned on certain muscles, your joints are a little bit looser. So it's just a matter of that. And then, you know, maybe some post, you know, run stretching or some foam rolling, um, the recovery aspect, those are the things. And, you know, the strength training, I don't think of strength training as cross training whatsoever. I know people use that term a lot. It is a necessary part, like of you being a runner is to train in order to run. And it shouldn't be thought of as like, oh yeah, if I have time, I'll do some cross training. You know what, my mileage is increasing this week. And, you know, I don't have time to do my strength training or my cross training, because um, that's the first thing that goes out the window if you don't prioritize it. So I think it's it should be an essential part of, especially the aging runner, um, because honestly, that is what is going to bulletproof your body um, to be an injury free lifelong runner.
0: All right, and you have it's at your YouTube channel is chock full of this stuff. You've been prolific in terms of putting out content and videos on a lot of different things. And I'll definitely advise people to go there. We'll, we'll put a, a link in the show notes to this as well. I utilize a bunch of them, actually sent a, a bunch of these videos to my athletes that I coach as well. Uh, I find them to be very useful. Um, and there's a lot of people, a lot of very qualified people on YouTube who are putting out great content on this exact stuff. And it really is um, something where, obviously, if you have a very specific injury, seeing a professional in person can be barely Valuable. But if there's just general things that you want to know, there is so much information from high qualified people, highly qualified people out there. Um, and it really is the rabbit hole that, that you can really dive into. Let's just dive into the strength training part. I don't think we, were, we weren't necessarily, that wasn't on the plan for today, but I, I do want to talk about this. You keep bringing it up and I know it's valuable and important. What When you say a strength training plan, what exactly does that mean? And what are some of the primary tenets of it? And I know that we're we're not talking about like, hey, the lunge matrix before you go run, right? That's more of like a running activation type stuff. Not that lunges can't be part of a strength training plan, but specifically the strength training part that is maybe separate from the pre-run routine.
1: Yeah, I think a good strength training uh, part and really how I kind of designed the Healthy Runner Strength Program is to really hit your, what I call five, or if we want to throw in a sixth, six key muscles that runners need to strengthen. And really, you know, if we start up at the hips, it's pretty much your glute max. So making sure there's an exercise that emphasizes your glute max and Second would be your glute medius, so that's your side hip muscle. And those are activated when we do any exercise on one leg. So if you do a single leg squat, you're getting glute medius activation. I'm sure most people are familiar with like the band work where you're doing like side steps, crab walk style, you know, those will get your gluteus medius muscle. Um, The one that I find is not in pretty much anyone's strength training plans is the hip rotators, which are like super important for runners, especially if you are one of the 70% of runners who are over pronators and you wind up you know, flattening your arch a little bit more. And sometimes if you can't control that pronation, then that's a big causative factor to posterior tip pain, shin splints, patellofemoral pain. Um, And really it could be kind of piriformis syndrome or, you know, butt pain. But strengthening those muscles, your deep hip external rotators are basically your anti-pronation muscles up at the hip. So not only correcting maybe overpronation if you've been giving inserts and just trying to correct the foot, but if you strengthen the hip muscles, you can control what happens down below at the foot. So making sure there's an exercise that emphasizes that and that kind of isolates that muscle, which again, I don't really see in any other plans um, out there. And then quads are an important muscle group to strengthen. And then I would say, you know, calf, for endurance. So you'll be surprised at how many runners. So for those that are listening to this, if you're on the run, don't do it right now. But when you get home from your run or tomorrow before your next run, try to do single leg calf raises and see how many you can do in a slow fashion, controlled, keeping your knee totally straight. Um, The standard is you should be able to do 25 repetitions
0: Fun fact, I was in your office three weeks ago. I did 18 on both legs. And I was really confident about my calf strength.
1: (laughs) Yes. And you have well-developed calves. Like I have chicken legs, Matt. You know, your calf muscles are, are nice and developed.
0: Well, I guess looks can be (laughs) deceiving because I didn't even reach reach the minimum standard.
1: (laughs) Um, So the calf muscles, and then lastly is the hamstrings. And this is a big one for, you know, I see a lot of runners with this hamstring tendinopathy. They call it PHT. Um, It's basically peeing at your sit bone, Um, hurts when you sit, hurts when you do hills, hurts during the later miles of your run. And it's really a matter of building up strength from an eccentric standpoint. So it's like the slow lowering of that muscle and working that muscle at the hip, not just, as I mentioned earlier, knee curls and trying to either line your stomach, do a you know, hamstring curl or sit in a you know machine and do hamstring curl that way. You really have to work that muscle in a different fashion. So those are like the key six muscles, let's say. So in any strength program, going back to your original question, it should be designed that you do one exercise that emphasizes each of those muscles and you kind of superset those around Not forgetting about the core, of course, because that's important. And then some of your postural-based muscles, I'll go there. You know, your back muscles, right? Any strength plan, you should be working some of those muscles that are going to also help your posture and your running form so you're not slouched over when you're running. So those are the, the elements that should go into the plan as well as I'll add in training on one leg. So there should be single leg exercises and then some jump training. And depending upon where you are in your training cycle for your race, it depends upon what that jump training looks like. It could be some simple hopping more agility type stuff to really help those mind-muscle connections. Like I know you're a big basketball guy, right? You think of basketball players work on agility, right? Um, same thing runners should, because that really taps in those connections from your brain to the muscles to get a more kind of explosive. So when you hit the ground, the pavement, you spring right back up. And it's not, you hit the ground and boom, all your body weight comes down because there, there are forces that come up from the pavement that go into your joints. So if we can minimize those forces by having more springier and stronger muscles then that helps you know dissipate all of those negative consequences
0: all right if someone's doing strides two or day, two or three days a week or someone who's actively doing say trail running right so they're not only are they going in the la- the, the, the forward and backward plane they're, they're moving laterally and they're taking different kinds of steps would you suggest the strength the jump training for those folks as well or are they kind of already hitting some of the benefits and some of the stuff they're already doing
1: no, absolutely. I would definitely recommend jump training as well. Um, yeah, the trail runner does get some more variety in their movement patterns, which is a good thing because they're not only literally going in the same direction, using the same muscles in the same fashion, the forces are being you know dissipated a little bit differently, but they still need to be springy in their muscles. And even someone who's doing strides, yeah, it's making them more efficient as a runner and it's helping their running form, but they still need to have the strength, right? Um, and by you actually training plyometrically, you'll feel more efficient in your strides when you do them.
0: All right, Dwayne, you've been here 45 minutes. This has been such a fun conversation. We can keep talking. We're just scratching the surface on a lot of this stuff. And for good reason, because you put out a ton of content. We've already referenced the YouTube channel, which I said before, and I and I truly mean it, is prolific and something that people should definitely be checking out. In addition to that, you have your own highly rated running podcast. So tell us about the podcast and what you're doing over there.
1: Yeah, it's the healthy runner podcast. And I have a healthy runner Facebook group. um, That's very active community. It really started with the Facebook group. And then because I was producing kind of weekly content um, to really help spread this message um, on how do runners stay injury free and become lifelong runners. And, you know, that's what we do in our community. Every week, I go live and do live trainings, um, bring on great guests. um, So maybe you can make an appearance one day the healthy runner podcast that'd be amazing. If I if I can qualify as a healthy runner, I'll go anywhere <laughs> to
0: say that because I haven't been one for a very long time. So, I mean, I'll I'll go on a podcast with one listener if I can be a healthy runner when I'm doing it.
1: <laughs> no, that would be awesome. I would love that. Um, and yeah, it's it's a matter of just getting good information out there and then I bring on other, you know, specialists in the field whether it is, you know, RDs, nutritionists, doctors, um, specific injury deep dives we'll do on, you know, shin splints, runner's knee in, in there. So yeah, it's a great community. I love it. It's, it's really been a passion project of mine, you know, being in the orthopedic sports medicine clinical realm, my whole career as physical therapist, this has been really fun, honestly, to connect with our running community, um, in a way that I've never been able to do in my career as a kind of a standard physical therapist.
0: All right. If someone wants to ask you a question, where's the best place for them to do that?
1: Yeah, so you can definitely head over to my website, sparkyourtraining.com. You will see, you know, links there to get in touch with me. Um, I am active, you know, very active on Facebook too. You can hit me up in Messenger. I will respond to you. Um, And yeah, the YouTube channel is Spark Your Training. Dwayne, you're the man. Thanks again. Thank you, Matt. This was awesome.
0: Dwayne, my man, thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm excited to be on his show at some point late summer, early fall. That will be a lot of fun as well. Also, big shout out to Prevenex. Go check them out today. It's the one supplement I have every single day is Joint Health Plus. And like I said in our ad read, the fact of the matter is we just had imaging done on my left knee. I have a long athletic history, right? A lot of it basketball-related and running on pavement, and my knee looked great. All I had was knee brositis, but my ligaments and tendons, everything looked really good. And there's a lot of reasons for that. But you know what? I've been taking Joint Health Plus for a year, and I haven't had any issues with connective tissue. And I'm so happy about that. Go check them out today. Provenx.com. Use code RUNNER15 to save 15% on your first order. If you're listening to this, it's Friday. You know what that means? Olympic trials starts Today. Let's get into it. I'm so excited. Um, you know, this is just going to be it's gonna be a great week and a half. We all know about a lot of the negative stuff going on right now uh, regarding the American track world around positive drug tests and all that sort of stuff. Like, that's a bummer, man. I'm not going to lie, but there's a lot, there is a lot of positive stories that are going to come out of the next week and a half. So many amazing people, and I just can't wait to watch all of it. So thank you so much for listening and happy running.